Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. What's up, people? Welcome to After 9. We have some good news to tell you. Step 2 is, as expected, going to happen next Wednesday here in Ontario. And we will get to more of that coming up. Uh, Kat, we have a special guest today. We certainly do. And you know, from time to time, definitely on the podcast and on our radio show over the last almost decade, we have talked about Ashley Madison. So to have a representative from Ashley Madison on with us is uh, is pretty cool. Paul Keeble is the Chief Strategy Officer. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, Scott. I'm fantastic. What is a Chief Strategy Officer at Ashley Madison? What do you do all day? Well, I was going to go with Chief Affair Officer, but uh, my wife probably was giving me some side glances at that. So uh, I spent a lot of my time looking at the data in terms of what our members are doing and thinking to really understand two things, you know, where our business is going, and more importantly, understanding what actually is happening in the world of infidelity versus what we think is happening. Wow. Okay. Well, we're going to come back to that, but that's an interesting question uh, or an interesting point you just made. Is it weird for your wife that you're in basically in charge of the website that promotes having affairs? Um, you know, she's pretty comfortable with, um, you know, the business that I work in because, you know, we, we have a lot of conversations. The, the corollary of working for this company is that we are, in fact, the world's largest marriage counseling service because if you don't want your spouse to be on Ashley Madison, you should probably listen to me. So I know all the reasons why people show up so I can avoid that in my own marriage. Interesting. Okay, so you have a lot of insights here. I hope so. <laughs> is it true that a lot more people were looking to like fuck around and stuff during during lockdown and quarantine? Absolutely. You know, it's really interesting. Right before you know the world completely shit itself and and went into complete lockdown in March of 2020, we saw about 15,000 people join a day. And then as the lockdowns you know started to deepen and in that sense of dread uh, started infected our lives, we saw probably end of April, early May. Our, our daily signups jumped to over 20,000 people joining a day. And that really showed us that the effects of, you know, being with your spouse 24 hours a day with no relief, no outlet, really, sh- you know, showcased the, 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 the failures that monogamy has for a lot of different people. Okay. Paul, I'm a naturally skeptical person. So let me ask you something I've always wondered when it comes to a site like Ashley Madison. How do we know and trust that the person on the other side of that profile, much like any other dating app that's out there, is telling the truth, is actually, you know, in a relationship, looking to keep it discreet, because a lot of people are just kind of hoping and trusting that other person that they don't really know. What do you have in place to make sure shit like that doesn't go down? Well, you know, that's the same question anybody can ask of any dating website. People have to, you know, take the time to get to know the person on the other end. But what we've found over the years is that our members tend to be actually more honest and truthful than most dating sites, simply because if you're on eHarmony or Tinder or Match, more often than not, you're trying to find a life partner. So you're presenting your absolute best self, if not an exaggeration of that. Whereas the people who come to Ashley, they're looking for a very specific need, and they're not trying to be something they're, they're not, because they've already done that. That's Part of the reason why monogamy didn't work for them necessarily. And so they're going to be a little bit more honest and say, listen, I am, you know, six foot two and 220 pounds. I got a little bit of a curve on me and I'm looking for this specific thing. If you meet that need, awesome. Let's hop in the bedroom. If you don't, that's okay. Move on. And so we, you know, obviously work really closely behind the scenes from a security perspective to weed out, you know, inappropriate activities that breach our, our terms and conditions. But our members continue to tell us that, you know, they're finding a great amount of activity. I mean, we find more than 10,000 affairs every day on our website. 
Holy shit. Oh, my God. I can't believe there's that many people that are looking to, to get something on the side. Well, listen, you know, there's been more than 72 million people join our site since we launched. Clearly, you know, we service a need. And it was born out of, if you know the story of our origins, in 2000, 2001, when online dating was just, you know, taking off, we saw reports that up to 30% of, of those accounts on those sites were actually married people pretending to be single. So wow. mm-hmm. that was really the genesis for idea for, for Ashley to be a place where these people could be more honest and find people just like them. Okay. And you're secure. Like, how secure is your website? If someone's listening, they want to do this, but they want to keep an obviously low profile. How secure yeah, and how sure can they be that their information isn't going to get leaked out there? Because relationships could get ruined if that happens. I'm sure that's a big concern. Absolutely. So, you know, we obviously have a dedicated privacy officer, which is a separate function that looks at how do we handle the data? And not, more importantly, you know, what data do we want to collect? And then we have a separate cybersecurity team that, you know, really, if you know your Greek mythology, it's a bit of a Sisyphean task. Every day, they've got to look at pushing that boulder up the hill because there's no checkbox that says, okay, we've checked off security. We don't have to do anything. Every single day, they're looking at how do we improve the site? How do we make sure that a member's data is, you know, held in the highest of trust? And, you know, I think we're doing a pretty good job with more than 20,000 people joining us a day. So beyond that, we also give a lot of control to our members. So when you sign up and you create your profile, unlike a a traditional dating website, we have a completely secure private locker where you can store your more intimate photos, which might just include a picture of your face. And you only share that with members you want to. And when you're done conversing with that person, you can retract that photo from that individual so that they no longer have a copy in their files. Okay. Right. So... I, I, if let's say somebody sends out like a dick pic or something like that, and then they decide, ah, I really don't want to uh, fuck around on my wife. I'm going to just forget this whole thing ever happened. They can shut down the account and not worry that somebody else is going to have that picture forever, right? So if they send it through our system, so if they share what we call the private key, yes. Now, obviously, if you go outside okay. and send it by a text message, you know, we don't have any control over that. But we give a lot of that information to our members and, and counsel them on what's the best way to manage what we like to call a successful affair which is a, an undiscovered affair. Got it. Okay. Now you real before we get into the, the top Canadian cities that are ready to just get fucking crazy this summer. Um, <laughs> Cause that is coming up. Uh, and I love the list, by the way, there's a lot of people who would love to think that marriage is forever and monogamy is real. And if you're in a committed relationship, you're in a committed relationship. So when you even mention AshleyMadison.com, they get all defensive about it. Yeah, how do you, how do you handle people like that? So I say to them, monogamy works for you. That's fantastic. And, and the reality is no 30-second commercial or amazing interview or stat is going to convince you otherwise. And that's not what we're there for. We're there for the people that monogamy doesn't work for. Because here's the truth about you know what I alluded to earlier. Most people who come to our site are not unhappy about their marriage. They're unhappy about an aspect of their marriage, something that's missing. So they'll tell me, oh, I love my husband. I love my family. I love my life, but I'm missing this element in the bedroom. My husband is either unable or unwilling to perform this need. And so they outsource their intimate needs via Ashton Madison to maintain their relationship. And that's a really mind-boggling concept for a lot of people because it's not what we've been told or learned from religion or parents or government over the years. Do you have any stats on, um, I'm curious how many couples look for a third or maybe vice versa. There's someone looking for a couple on there. Is that option available? Because I I know it happens a lot more often than people think. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We don't have stats specifically because that's one of the things, again, you know, we try to limit the data we collect. 
because um, we want to, you know, have a really light data approach. But one of the things we know anecdotally is it definitely happens in a variety of ways. I actually know one story from some people who live just outside of the GTA in Toronto. They met on Ashley Madison, fell in love, divorced their respective spouses, and then got married, but then realized monogamy was a problem for them. So they created an open relationship or moved to an open relationship, and both of them came back to Ashley Madison looking for variety partners. And I know people who come to the site looking for that third or more via the system. So it definitely is happening, whether it's people in open relationships or the polyamorous community. Those aspects all happen there because of the core of Ashley is discretion. And you might be uh, in the polyamorous community, but you don't want your workmates or your family to know about these activities. And so you choose the discretion of Ashley to facilitate that. Mm, okay. okay. So during the pandemic, you guys were keeping track, obviously, of all the new users and where they're coming from. And you, mm-hmm. you tabulated up all those numbers. And based on the amount of people that are signing up for your site, you can calculate basically what cities are ready to bang this summer. Absolutely. I mean, I think so, you called it hot vac summer. <laughs> yeah, so listen, this is going to be a two-dose for the two-timer summer, and we're really excited about, you know, the, the prospects of people, you know, unleashing a lot of pent-up demand. Number one on the list, the city that is most ready to let loose and give her, St. John's, Newfoundland, Labrador. Yeah, they're out there on the East Coast, they're ready to rock. And, you know, they're, they're done with the kissing of the cod, and they want to do kissing of something else this summer. Party on, St. <laughs> John's. I love it. And then we go, like, almost to the other end of the country, from St. John's to Edmonton. What is it about Edmonton that's got people ready to jump in the sack? Listen, I, I love us country, but if you've ever been to Edmonton, it's not necessarily the most exciting city in the world. So if you were forced on lockdown and put in your home, particularly over a brutally cold and long winter, you know, looking forward to a hot pack summer, that's probably a good reason why Edmonton jumps to the number two on the list this year. Uh, Kelowna, number three. You know, the Okanagan is beautiful. You get the wine flowing. And I think, like, that's the perfect recipe there, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the BC in, in, the, in the West Coast is just a beautiful environment. And people are a little bit more looser, the West Coast lifestyle. And so it doesn't surprise us to see Kelowna at the top of the list this year as well. Yeah, actually, BC has got more cities on it than any other province. You horny bastards out there in the West Coast. We've got a lot of listeners out in British Columbia, particularly in Vancouver. So, hey now, what's up, BC? We see you out there. Fredericton, New Brunswick is number four. Followed by Kingston. And then let's get into Ontario. Kingston is number one, followed by Barrie. Is there any sort of data to back up why Kingston and Barrie are ready to go? I think, you know, one of the things about infidelity is it's universal. There's this idea that, you know, dating, you know, is different from culture to culture, but infidelity breaks through those barriers. And what we're finding is across the country, people are unsatisfied within their marriage and and they're looking for an outlet. And so, you know, there's no rhyme or reason necessarily for why one city makes it over the next. It's simply just an, an aspect of we've lived through something that nobody else has in more than 100 years. And so we're finding any way possible to eke out a bit of happiness. Okay, we actually had a study this morning on our FM radio show that was talking about dating. And one of the things that they concluded was that girls are ready for hot girl summer. Guys seem to be ready for serious relationship summer. And those things don't necessarily add up if girls are looking for the one night stands and guys are looking to tie somebody down. Is that at all been come across your desk? 
So, you know, those are very similar rationales to why, you know, the genders do what they do on our side. We've had studies that show the women who come to Ashley Madison, predominantly more than 80%, you know, they're looking for a physical interaction because they're in a relationship that is either sexless or orgasmless. So their husband is either unable or unwilling to give it to them in the bedroom. And so they're coming to us for that. What's fascinating is we have research from the University of Missouri that shows men come to the site for emotional validation. So that really mimics just what you were saying. Everything we think about what drives men in, in you know, dating trends is so opposite of what actually is happening behind the scenes. And, you know, part of this, these conversations is, is, is me getting the chance to talk about that stuff. Mm. Okay. I, I want to run down the rest of the Ontario cities. London is number eight, and you can get our radio show in London. Um, we're going to come back to that. After London, the next Ontario city is Guelph at number 14, and then Windsor, Oshawa, Hamilton, Ottawa. And you know what the very next city would be on that list? Number 21 of the top 21 cities? Yeah. Kitchener-Waterloo. There it is. (laughs) There it is. We felt left out. (laughs) Well, it's weird. I mean, you feel like you weren't part of the list. You guys are are right near the top. Uh, and, and you're, and you're going to have a bit of a breakout. Now, listen, you might, you might shatter my expectations, and I hope to come back next year to talk about what we've seen from this summer. So yours to discover is the slogan for Ontario, and I guess it applies to this list, too, because there's a lot of Ontario cities that are signing up to get some. Um, oh, by the way, from what I hear, hotels are going to be super fucking cheap over the next couple of months just because they want to get people back in them and get people traveling again. So uh, this might be an added benefit for you guys there. Do you have a hotel partner, Paul? Uh, we don't. Uh, as you can imagine, a lot of mainstream brands aren't too comfortable partners. Right. But we do <laughs> I can imagine. functions on the site that allow you to search for potential affairs outside of your city. And so if you're living in, you know, west of uh, or southwestern Ontario, clearly this list show you, shows you there's a ton of options and opportunities to find a partner outside of, you know, the 100-kilometer zone of your home. Damn. All right. Uh, Paul, this was great. We appreciate the information, and I know that you guys come out with lists like this from time to time. So make sure you keep us posted, and I'm glad we got a chance to connect here because I, I actually learned a few things that I didn't know about your site. So thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Take care, Paul. Right. Bye. Bye. Uh, Kat, what's your immediate takeaway from having talked to the chief strategy officer at AshleyMadison.com about the cities that want to fuck this summer? Yeah, you know, I, you know, like I, like I told Paul at the beginning of the conversation, there's been so many times that we've talked about Ashley Madison and I've had so many questions and finally getting a couple of answers. Uh, that's good. That's good to know. Um, it seems as though he's echoing all the other things that we're hearing though. And it's funny, the difference between, and I think it's a perception between, what men want and what women want. And I see that shift personally too. Uh, there's a lot of women that are like, hold up. I, I ain't making no baby right now. Okay. Let's screw around. And then I have serious shit to do. I'm working on my career. I'm focused on family. I'm focused on ABC. I'm not interested in, in that serious aspect of a relationship. And it's interesting that, that Ashley Madison is also seeing a reflection in that kind of almost a, a swing that we've really been feeling for the last while, I think. But it, it's, it's interesting that a lot of those are those notes are being brought up in conversations like that. I think it's interesting, and I kind of think it's cool at the same time. Not going to lie, as a woman, I love it. Take control. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting, too, in when he was talking about the amount of couples that they speculate could be on there looking to expand their horizons. I mean, he said monogamy doesn't work for some people 
or they're very, very happy in their relationship. It's just the one thing that they're missing. So they step out, get that, and then they're good. And then they just keep trucking through with the rest of their relationship. Okay, that's fine, too. But if you actually talk to your partner about it and think, oh, you know what? I mean, I hear all my friends are, are having orgasms and I'm not and I'm a little jealous. So can we do something about that? Or are you going to object if I go and do something like that? All right. Well, that's where you start the conversation. Maybe we should start a profile. Maybe we should try and find somebody. Kind of makes sense if you think about it. I mean, you could use it both ways, I would uh, think. Yeah, and it could, that conversation could definitely go either way. Uh, you know, you never know until you start talking to your partner about it. But, uh, yeah, it was interesting. I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed at least getting the chance to, to talk to him. Although I'm not a, I don't love it. You know, I'm, I'm, it's not for me. Let's put it that way. Uh, the options out there for the people who, who are interested. That's the thing. I think it was like 15 years ago. I had Noel Biederman on uh, when he was the president and CEO of Ashley Madison. Uh, had him on, a, on my Toronto radio show at the time. And I couldn't believe, A, the amount of fucking hate mail that I got after that interview for Noel. And also the amount of people that were pissed off at me for promoting it. it listen, we're not promoting anything. But it is an option out there that clearly people are aware of. If they're getting 10,000 signups a day in some cases. Mm -hmm. So, hey, listen, it's out there anyway. Uh, If it's not for you, then like Kat said, it's not for you. Don't do it. But if you're interested, go ahead and do it. Uh, They seem like nice people. Paul seems like a nice guy. And he seems happily married. I love that he's married, by the way. That's great. Because that was going to be one of my questions. I didn't want to get too personal with him. But I want to know all about people who work for Ashley Madison. I feel like if I told my husband, I'm going to go take a job at Ashley Madison, he'd be like, the fuck you are. No, you're not. <laughs> the fuck you are. <laughs> uh, just to follow up on that study we were talking about, it is new. It just came out. Uh, 63% of men say they're ready for a serious relationship this summer. Only 37% of women are into the same thing. 60% of women say they want fucking hot girl summer with a couple of flings thrown in there. Mm-hmm. First off, is fling a one-nighter or is fling, ah, fuck around with them, get what you want, and then move on? Yep, and a fling can last a while. I mean, there's fling seasons, right? You can have a spring fling, summer fling, I guess a winter fling. Not many people do. But, yeah, there's all a fling can last for a few months. But you know it's a fling because you know you don't want to make it any more than, I'd say, three months if I had to put an end date to it. So the, the theory behind these numbers in that guys want serious relationship summer, girls want hot girl summer, is that girls found some independence and they found some confidence and found some whatever. Maybe their their beach bod during quarantine. Guys found the need to be a little more dependent or codependent. It's amazing how the sexes went in opposite directions during lockdown. And that's what it's turned into. You got 60% of women that are ready to fucking go crazy. And you've got majority of guys, the vast majority that are thinking, no, I think it's time to settle down now. We've been yeah. through a lot. I don't but let's, down. <laughs> but hang on, though, because let's be perfectly clear here. Those guys that are saying, I think it's time to settle down, they're not going to deny someone a one-night stand or a fling. 99% of the time, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I could always do the serious relationship thing in a few months. Let's fuck, right? Oh, they- yeah. You catch a guy with a few drinks in him and, yeah. and the wind blowing the right way feels a little tingle down there. He's not going to not fuck you. He can say, well, I'd really like a relationship. No, I don't know. I think if the option is sex or no sex, he'll probably take the sex, Mm -hmm. I would think. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, a couple other things to do in this episode of After Nine. First off, 
It was just announced before we started recording from the health minister, Christine Elliott, again from the health minister and not from the premier, again on social media, not a news conference. We're going to step two. Step two, step two. And maybe you are listening going, okay, yeah, what what the hell does that mean again? Well, outdoor gatherings, uh, 25 people now. Indoor gatherings, five. Give me a break. That should be higher. But anyway. Oh, way higher. Uh, way higher. It will be, too. Like, you know people are going to gather in more than five inside. Uh, retail, personal care, 25% capacity. So up from the 15%, which is lovely. The essential stuff is going to bump up to 50%. Uh, outdoor dining remains the same. Overnight camps are going to be allowed. Religious services at 25%. Outdoor sports facilities, concert venues, cinemas with spectators at 25%. And again, I want to stress that's outdoor uh, facilities. So we're one, literally one step closer. uh, But man, I, I am one of those people that believe we should be moving to step three. I understand the hesitation. It's not that I, it's completely out of the realm of thought for me. I get it. I get what they're trying to do. But based on what they told us, everything was based on, we're far sur- surpassed that vaccination point that we should be at in order to go to step three. So that's the part that kind of gets me. And we know that vaccinations are going in like crazy, like sites are crashing with people just trying to get this fucking second dose and get the shit over with. So that part eh, upsets me. But OK, I'll take a step two. Now, let me ask you a question, Scott. Sure. The 30th of June to enter this phase at 12.01 a.m. to be exact. And then we have a holiday the next day. How does that yeah. work? You know what? I mean, I'm going to give some some good stuff and some bad stuff here. I'll start with the bad because fuck you, Doug. Yeah. Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> Why on earth would you do it fuck on you, the Doug. 30th? Why on earth would you do it on the 30th? Hey, reopen on the Wednesday, but shut her back down on the Thursday and then reopen on the Friday. Like, fuck off. You could have done that for this weekend. You could have done it last weekend, to be honest with you. But you could have done it this weekend. You could even have done Monday. Fuck you, Doug! (laughs) Just to talk about momentum. Momentum here. Hair salons can reopen. We're going to take your appointments for Wednesday. And then shut her back down on Thursday. And then we're reopen on Friday. And some of them close on weekend. It would have been so much easier to do it on Monday. Or this coming weekend. Like, fuck, Doug. But he is making a decision, and it is the right decision. It is time to go to stage two. And before we do that, before we do, let's remember exactly what has happened to lead up to this. It's the third time we've reopened. Third recovery from lockdown in Ontario. The mayor's have been calling for this. They've been pressuring this. The doctors liked this plan. And other than the one business day early that they're opening, they did stick to the plan. Everybody agrees here, all the stakeholders and experts, it's time to do this. So the reason I'm saying that is because if this goes sideways, if these variants cause some sort of a fourth wave of sorts, Let's not do what we did at the end of the second wave where people were pressuring the living shit out of the government. Reopen, reopen. That's all people said in January. Reopen the economy. Let's fucking go. So they did reopen the economy and we got a third wave and Ford had to wear that. He's been going through a living nightmare for the last three months because everybody blames the third wave on him for reopening too early. 
Before we get to this reopening, let's everybody just take stock of the fact that the mayors, the doctors, the health table, everybody involved says this is the right move. Okay? Good. We're all good. Great. We all agree. Fabulous. Step two. We don't agree on whether or not we should go right to step three, but we all agree we should be doing step two now. Everybody's in on it. If this shit goes sideways, there's a lot of blame to go around, but it's not just going to be on the provincial government. Uh, today, Dr. David Williams is going to hold his final news conference, and he's going to do it with the incoming chief medical officer of health. And I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever been this excited for a retirement. Fuck you, doctor. Bye. As if he created COVID. Well, he didn't create COVID, but he certainly did create this catastrophe that we've got now with businesses that are suffering and people that are out of work and uh, losing their entire life savings. We didn't need to be in this step, but I get that Williams doesn't want his legacy to be open too early for a second time in a row and then have another wave come in after it. Mm -hmm. So he's seeing this thing through with the slowest reopening in the world after the longest lockdown in the world, just to make sure that this doesn't end up on his shoulders in retirement. All right. You fine. You did it. You protected your reputation. Dr. Williams, get the fuck out. Let's bring in the new guy. He is younger. He is more progressive. He apparently is a little more in tune with what the people are saying and the people want to reopen. So let's fucking go here. And hopefully he will take a look at what Dr. Williams put in place and and reevaluate that. And maybe he'll agree. It should be 21 days. That means we would not go to step three until at least the 19th of July. Maybe he'll, though, say, you know what? Williams set out the targets himself, and we've already hit those targets. So we'll be in step two for about a week to 10 days, and then we're going to step three real early. If he did something like that, I think he'd probably be substantially more popular than Dr. David Williams. Uh, Britney Spears is the last thing on our agenda. This got really fucking weird yesterday, and and I wasn't able to watch it. Were you able to watch it, or could you just get highlights? I know no, you've got the audio from it. I got the audio, and not a lot of people actually did, but I do have, it's leaked audio, so there's it's not perfect, um, but I'm happy to play uh, some for you here. So yesterday, I mean, to me, I was shocked. I read it first. And then I I listened to it. So I read the whole thing. It's a 30-minute testimony is what I'll call it. I'm not sure if that's the exact uh, court term for it. But she finally got the chance to speak. She asked the judge uh, through her lawyers to speak to the judge. Uh, So they set the date of June 23rd yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Some of the details from this. uh, Forcing drugs on her she didn't want to take. Faking stories about Britney not cooperating while she was doing Vegas rehearsals. Purposely making her do therapy in public buildings where they knew paparazzi would be watching her to embarrass her uh, and make her look bad. Nobody is safe here. I mean, we'd heard things and we knew that Britney's mom was attempting to seem like she was on Britney's side. Britney kind of put the kibosh on that. She says her mom hit things from her a lot, told her that she could not see her acupuncturist, uh, anybody to make her feel good when she was feeling very, very bad and depressed. Anything and everything she asked for was a no. She claimed that Brittany couldn't get her nails done and this and that, but then she'd show up to the house, her mom, with her nails done. She found out the maids were getting their nails done all through this, but nobody let Brittany know about it. Little, A lot of little things that piled up, but the big stuff is still there too, including the fact, listen to this, We knew that Britney wanted to have a baby. And the reason why we knew is because you might remember she did carpool karaoke 
I want to say about a year ago with James Corden, maybe longer. Maybe it was just pre, pre-COVID. And she talked about the fact that she did want to have another baby, but really didn't discuss in detail why she wasn't having another baby. Uh, now we're learning that they controlled everything about her, including her body. She has an IUD in that was put in by a doctor. Uh, she did not really want it, so I guess you could say she didn't consent to it. Under conservatorship, apparently that's okay, uh, which surprised me. Um, but they didn't want her to have another baby. Uh, listen to this. And I would like to progressively move forward, and I want to have the real deal. I want to be able to get married and have a baby. I was told right now in the conservatorship I'm not able to get married or have a baby. I have a um, ID inside of myself right now, so I don't get pregnant. I wanted to take the ID out so I could start trying to have another baby, but this so-called team won't let me go to the doctor to take it out because they they don't want me to have children, any more children. Um, so basically, this conservatorship is doing me way more harm than good. Um, I, w- I deserve to have a life. I've worked my whole life. I deserve to have a two to three year break and just, you know, do what I want to do. Um, but I do feel like um, there is a crunch here. And I feel like um, I feel open and I'm OK to talk to you today about it. But I, I wish I could stay with you on the phone forever, because when I get off the phone with you, all of a sudden, all of I hear, I hear all these no's. No, no, no. And then all of a sudden I get I feel ganged up on and I feel bullied and I feel left out and alone and I'm tired of feeling alone. I deserve to have the same rights as anybody does by having a child, a family, any of those things and more so. Um, And that's all I wanted to say to you. And thank you so much for letting me speak to you today. It's it's slavery. It is court condoned slavery. They treated her. Like shit, they kept it's um. what's that fairy tale where you get locked up and and then what am I? Is it Cinderella? Oh, oh, well, Cinderella did get that kind of treatment. And what Rapunzel was locked up too, wasn't she? Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, they locked her up. They only really let her go out when she could make them money. Like, oh, residency in Vegas. Sure, Brittany, you go ahead and do it. But we're going to keep you on a real short leash. As long as you're out there making millions every month. Yeah, you can go ahead and do that because we could use the cash. This is a woman who's worth over $50 million and couldn't have control over her own money. She got an allowance that was in the thousands. Mm-hmm. Hardly anything. It's insane. Yeah, she was making like a mill a week at one point and, and she was allowed to spend 2000 And even then they controlled what she spent it on. She wanted to stain her fucking kitchen cabinets, something that people do all the time as homeowners, right? You always stain the kitchen cabinets. She was was not even allowed to have the money to do that. Something in her home. I It's kind of mind, mind boggling. And I know there's going to be the fair amount of people. So I'm happy to address this too, because obviously we know what we know. We know what she's telling us, but there's people commenting, hey, free Britney people, you're missing the most important fact that medical experts felt she was not mentally fit to care for herself. The last time she was free, she almost ended up bankrupt and ended up dead Is that what you people want? That's what one person commented on my post, for example. That's not even entirely accurate, by the way. And you are talking about something that happened to a girl 13 years ago. She was 26. She went through a lot of shit 
in the public eye. She definitely had a mental condition. And, and really, I don't believe at this point it's even disclosed. Um, there are reports and rumors and things like that, but nothing official. I'm not sure that they're releasing her medical records exactly to show if she actually is bipolar or a schizophrenic or any of the above, right? There's lots of rumors out there. We don't know what the truth is at this point. We do know that she did go, go on medication. She, her medication was switched on her, according to Brittany, to lithium. It's extremely strong and very dangerous. She said at the time that she felt sick. She felt terrible on it. She wanted to be t- taken off of it. And again, it was it was 13 years ago. There is a great chance and, and a, at least a great possibility that she's learned to deal with whatever caused that since then. She definitely had a downward spiral. But when you take a look, I, I urge anyone who, who wants to go ahead and and criticize and dictate what they believe should be done to Britney. From either side, I understand, right? You want to, you have something to say about it. But watch the documentary, and I know that's not everything. It is, it is definitely sided more toward Britney than it would be toward her dad, for example. But watch it, and you tell me that what she was under right now wouldn't make anybody go mental at that time that the, the umbrella incident, the shaving of the head incident, again, a long time ago is when that happened. She's now almost 40 years old. She's got a stable boyfriend. She wants to be able to perform and do all those things that she used to do. She wants her life back, basically. She just wants her family completely out of it. And to be to make it clear, although she doesn't love therapy and doesn't believe it actually works for her because she's been seeing a therapist several times a week for years, she says she's still willing to come up with whatever deal that the judge is willing to, to do with her. It, as long as the therapist comes to her house, she'll still do it. And she'll still be watched by doctors as long as her dad and the team is not in control of who she has to see. She felt abused, in fact, by the last doctor. She actually used the word abusive about the doctor, who's now dead, by the way, but uh, not anything to do with Brittany. Uh, but she was seeing this doctor for years and therapist, and she believed that she was abused by him. Uh, mentally, mainly, uh, but a lot came out in those thirty minutes. Scott, it was yeah. it was something else. Uh, listen, for those who are questioning how Brittany ended up in this state, I mean, this is not a new story. We've seen it happen with many pop stars, a lot of them female, especially when they come out of that Disney era where they they've been on television since they were kids and made to perform like animals in a circus, and the paparazzi is so relentless on them. And a lot of Britney's problems came from her dealings with the paparazzi. Then she got placed under this conservatorship. And I think what's happened here is whether it was her dad's fault or the judge's fault for enabling her dad, whatever. It seems like conservatorship went way too far. He was there to protect her when she was very vulnerable because she'd been through a lot of shit. And yeah, she was making some bad financial choices. By the way, you're allowed to do that. Most people make some bad financial choices at one point or another. I, I noticed that Demi Lovato is not under a conservatorship. She's had her share of fucking incidents. We all know that. She almost died. Um, but Brittany, for whatever reason, did end up under one. And maybe it was well-intentioned at the beginning, but it's clearly gone way too fucking far if they had to have an IUD put in her and she's not allowed to have it taken out. This is a regular person with rights as a citizen. This is fucking crazy that Mm -hmm. this has gone this far. And it does seem like maybe it was well-intentioned, but it did go way, way, way too far. So I don't know how the judge could leave court with any other verdict other than the conservatorship is done. There will be some checks and balances there to come out of the conservatorship. 
i.e. maybe you've got to keep going through counseling. Maybe you've got to do regular doctor's appointments. Uh, maybe the financial aspect gets adjusted, but it stays somewhat in place or she has to put a certain amount of money in trust that she can't access, but nobody else can. I mean, there's compromises there, but she has to have her life back. This is insane yeah. that this is a person, an American citizen being treated that way on American soil. She's like she, like a, a prisoner. Someone's got to meet in the middle here, right? Especially when yeah. it comes to her money. She made that money. Do you know how many people make a lot of money and they can spend it however they want? That's the way it should be. You Look know, at half the fucking NFL and NBA. Yeah. You know, it, the, the girl has made her money and she is paying people. She is paying people to go against her. She is paying people she hates that she wants to sue after this. I hope at least, at the least, Scott, I understand there's a lot of stuff that is going to come from both sides of this story. But I hope at the least they can be met somewhere down the middle. Like, okay, Brittany, you know, you get you get control of your finances, but it's, you know, you still have to be under watch for this reason. I'm not sure if there's an in-between between conservatorship and complete freedom. There's got to be something in there. I yep. hope the judge comes to a, a rational, reasonable conclusion. Or have the court appoint somebody that's neutral. I mean, that's fairly reasonable, too. It well, doesn't need to be her dad. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. is that, That's what she asked for initially, and they kept her dad as co-conservator. So he's actually working with another bank, to just say it broadly. It's a lot more specific than that. But it is a, a team of people from a bank that is working with Jamie. The unfortunate thing is Jamie's still very involved in it. So I guess for whatever reason, he still has a lot of control of the personal stuff. I'm not sure how she isn't able to get to her finances still, but until this court case, until this case is over regarding the conservatorship, I'm pretty sure everything that was in place previous remains in place until they sort the shit out. So he is not complete 100% control, but he still has that 50, 50. And if he's as abusive and, and horrendous of a individual as, as at least she's making it seem. And a lot of other people are making it seem, including her kids who spoke out against him, by the way, you might remember that. Um, then this, something needs to be done here. At least take him off at the very least. You've got to get rid of that guy. And on that, we will say thank you, everybody. This was a fun edition of After 9. Thank you to Paul from AshleyMadison.com for joining us. Tomorrow is Friday, and Dave Blizzard is going to join us like he does every single end of week. In the meantime, you have a fantastic one, and all almost 500 episodes of After 9 are now available in Spotify, Google, and Apple. So if you want to listen to an older episode, go back, dig through the archives, have yourselves a good time. Or don't. I don't know. I'm not your fucking father. Do whatever you want. I don't care. What are you, under a conservatorship from Scott Fox? (laughs) I order you to do it and pay for it. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Bye, Dr. David Williams. Bye, David Williams. Fuck you, Doug. And goodbye, guys. Fuck you, Doug. Fuck you, Doug. (laughs) Budget airline Frontier recently added a COVID recovery charge of $1.59 to passengers' tickets. A dollar fifty-nine might not sound like a lot, but on Frontier, that's a round trip to Orlando. In honor of Cinema Week, AMC Theaters is offering customers an all-you-can-eat popcorn deal and an all-you-can-stand nacho deal. <laughs> Sam Adams is offering to pay a $10,000 wedding bar tab for couples who include Sam Adams Summer Ale in their wedding vows. <laughs> This is great. Uh, Half the grooms in Boston already planned on saying it, but now they might get paid. (laughs) The After 9 Podcast is powered by Tony Johal. Broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.